Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he said, We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. He said, we don't just mention you, but we pray for you constantly. Whenever you come in our hearts, whenever we think about you, whenever we see you, sometimes when we just pat you and walk by you and say, God bless you, we're praying for you because we understand that we cannot make it through this thing without praying for one another. The next verse, he says something that's amazing. Flip to King James because I want to read it from the King James. He said, remembering without ceasing, and he says three powerful phrases. He said, your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. When you read this stuff, when I used to read this stuff as a young saint, it was what I call preliminary reading. In other words, I I would read this to get to the deep stuff. You only read that stuff to see what Paul was talking about or thinking about, not to see what anyone was saying to you. As I grew in the Lord and began to study the Bible, I understand that these are nuggets that we can't pass up. Because every time you find, uh, when you, when you, if you read the scriptures enough, you'll see that faith, hope, and love always come together. First Corinthians 13 says, now remain at these three. Faith, hope, and love. In other words, after everything is passed away, there remains three. Faith, hope, and love. Everything is going to pass away, but these three will endure. And, and, and if you understand what these words mean, faith is the, is the word pistis, uh, um, um, uh, love is the word agapos, uh, um, hope is the word elpis in the Greek. And the reason this, this is, these words are important is because they speak to what they, the words mean. So, so I want to tell you something that's interesting. The word faith means I believe enough to do something. It's not just a, con- a convincing or persuasion. Faith is, I, I, I've changed what I was going to do to do what you say because I believe what you say. That's faith. Um, uh, the word love is, is a different type of word. It's not, it's, there's four at least major different words in the Greek that mean love. There's, there's eros, there's, there's stogos, there's philio uh, or philos, and then there's agapos. This word agapos, it means it's the love of value. I don't love you because I feel it. I love you because I've placed a value on you. I love you because I see something in you. I may not feel anything for you, but I see something in you. And so this is the love of value where, where, where instinctively, watch this, you, have you ever seen like a, 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 a mother run to protect a child, put herself in harm's way? You know what she's protecting? The value she saw in the child. But when love gets in the way of, of harm or danger, it's protecting the value in you. So when Jesus goes to the cross, the reason he, he, took, he takes the beating and he, he dies on the cross for us is because he's protecting the value. It watches the residue of value that's left in us because all we, all we are are a basket of sin just a sin but he sees value in his creation and so he puts himself in harm's way and he dies for us this, this is an interesting word the word the word um, hope is, is the word el peace it means to look forward to something with great expectation now this is interesting it communicates to me that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, now remain these three, faith, hope, and love. It means that I'm going to still have use for faith, 
have use for love and have use for hope even in eternity. That says a lot about how God is going to do things when, we, when, we, when time is no more. It means that God will not reveal everything to us all at once. He's still going to train us. He's still going to be, be uh, schooling us, holding back stuff for us to, to wait to see. Right now, if you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus warned, here's what he said. He said, well, if you're going to follow me, there are going to be dangers. He says, I need you to count the cost before you follow me. Because in following me, you're going to encounter things that other people won't encounter. And your responses are going to be required to be a little different. He said, if you're going to follow me, you can't hold on to what used to be or who you used to be. You got to let some stuff go. Now, I'm going to tell you what I found with believers. A lot of us want to have Jesus to add him to our, our roundedness. We want him to be a part of our crew. We want, we want the Lord to, to kind of be a part of our team so we could, we, could, we could reach out to this one if we need that. But when we need something, we reach out to the Lord. He says, no. He said, I need you to make me your entire crew. In other words, I, I need you following me. If your life is going to benefit from being in me, there's some things that's going to change. So I want you to follow what, what uh, I'm going to do this real, real fast as much as I can. But you're going to hear so much, and not all of it will be for you, but a lot of it will be. I want to talk to you today about the word obedience. Because it's a word when you hear it, we draw back. I know when I hear obey, I go, oh God, you know what I have to do. Because a lot of us got issues with authority, issues with, with, with um, ability. Many of us um, fear the word obedience because we're very inconsistent people. I'm a, I want to free you today. Can I free you to just say, Pastor, you know what? I'm inconsistent. But let me see your short hand. I'm just, I could be inconsistent as a mug. I mean, you could, I could tell you, listen, I'll be the guy that says, I'll call you later. You will not hear from me for a week. <laughs> How many of you like that? I'll I see you tonight. You know, a year from now, I'm sorry I didn't make it the other day. The other day. That was last year. <laughs> We're inconsistent. How, How many can say that? I mean, I'm gonna tell, I, I promise you I'm going to take care of it, and I mean it when I say it, but you know. Things happen, and, and so when we hear the Lord say obey, we get afraid because we know we're not consistent. But today I want to walk you through some stuff that I believe will help you. Faith always works. Love always labors, and hope is always patient. It is consistent throughout Scripture. Wherever you see faith, if there's not works, it's dead. So you could be in faith for something, and you could be waiting on God and you're not in faith, because if you're waiting, watch this, uh, the word patience here is the, is the patience of waiting. So I'm going to say it like this. Faith works, love labors, hope waits. So if you say, well, I'm in faith by waiting on God, really you're not in faith, you're in hope. Because the truth is, faith always does something. So if you're, if you're in faith, but you're not doing anything, you're just in hope. But get this, the promises of God are received by faith, not by hope. Get this, the promises of God are seen through hope, but they are received by faith. That means if God is going to get his blessing, his promise into my life, I got to be working. I got to be doing something. How many of you got that? Now, uh, love always labors. And this is the example I gave. A, a, a good example is when I, when I, um, when I had this pulpit, I, did, I saw this pulpit, and I just saw it. I, one day I saw this design, and I drew it and took it to a wood craftsman, a master wood craftsman. And I said, I, I, said, I want, I saw this pulpit I want you to design for, for my church. And I drew it out for him, and, and the dimensions, he looked at it. Watch this. He looked at the paper and immediately said, okay, I got this. So 
in faith now, in faith, uh, the Bible says uh, faith is the substance of things what? Hopeful. The word hope means to look forward with, with expectation. So I drew this looking forward to the day that it'll be here on the, on the platform. But in order for him to do something with it, I had to show him what I saw. How many of you see that? So I drew it. Put Psalm 119 verse 49 on the screen. I want to show you something. So when God wants you to look forward to what he's looking forward to, he writes it down. Psalm 119 verse 49. He writes it down. And and he wants you to look at it so you can see what he sees. So the psalmist prays. He said, remember the word unto thy servant. Finish the verse with me. Upon which thou hast. Out loud. Say it again. Upon which thou hast. Notice that hope is not something you conjure up. Hope is something that God causes in you. You could, let me, The people that commit suicide, there's only one reason that people commit suicide. There's a video. There's a video on, on Facebook, I believe it is, of a, a man. He's a jumper. He's sitting on a rail. How many of you saw it? Okay, I'll tell you the story. He's sitting on a rail. He's about to jump. You could tell something is heavy on him. A police officer comes up behind him and starts to talk to him. He says, Get, take my hand. The guy ignores him. So the guy, the police officer, it just comes in his heart. He said, he said um, you like football? The guy's like, yeah. Who's your favorite team? The guy looked at him like, I'm about to jump you off. My foot. He said, Washington. He's, the officer says, the Redskins? He said, yeah. Now get this. What the officer knew that every good Redskin fan is a cowboy hater. Is a Dallas cowboy hater. Anybody follow football? Put your hands down. Any cowboy haters in the room? Keep your hand up in the name of Jesus, Father. Heal them right now. Heal all the cowboy haters. Now, now let me. I've been a cowboys fan from eight years years old. But I'm gonna tell you that all the what a cowboys fan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we could we could take as more of us. Okay. Wait, but listen, listen to the story. So, so the guy is sitting there, and when the police officer realizes, he says, I hate the cowboys. Well, he's a risk face, so I do too. So you know what the officer does? He starts talking about the skins beating the cowboys in the next game. All of a sudden, our hopelessness is when the enemy, what, what, when you lo- the enemy blocks your side of the future... He keeps replaying a picture of your worst day to you, and he tells you all your other days are going to be just like this day. And in the pain of having to live through that day again is too much, and people end themselves. So the way you, you, you stop a person from committing suicide is you have to give them hope. Hope is not something you can conjure up. People say, man, you need to start expecting again. No, give them hope. So the guy starts dogging the cowboys out, and the more he dogged the cowboys out, the more this guy is looking forward to the day when the skin's going to play the cowboys and beat the brakes off them, and all of a sudden, watch this. He has hope. It's interesting. It's not even about his life. The, the police officer said, give me a hand. It's making the story short. He grabs the guy, the guy grabs him and breaks down and starts to cry. And all the stuff that had burdened him so much began to come out through tears. Here's, the here's why. Because only, all the guy did was show him a picture that tomorrow the, the skin's going to be. It's amazing. I, I started out like thought to myself, the, the principle that he just operated in, well, that's what God does. The psalmist wrote, he said, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou, you, God, caused me to hope. I had nothing to look forward to. They said it was over, and you start talking to me about stuff that's going to happen tomorrow, and so I want to stay alive just to see. 
And every once in a while, when I feel it fading, I'll come back to you and say, God, don't forget the word you spoke to me. Because here's what happens. When the enemy gets you in hopelessness, he, 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 he wipes your slate clean. There's nothing in your spirit about what's going to happen tomorrow. And what God does with his word, he, he begins to speak promises and words create pictures. And if you write the words down, every time you read them, you see the picture. So if you draw the image, then the, hope, the thing I'm expecting, he begins to expect. And so watch this now. That's hope. He's looking forward. Now he's going to put faith because faith always works. So watch this. He begins to chisel away at this wood and he begins to make these designs. And, and, and while he's doing this, that's faith. Faith works. Go back to First Thessalonians. Faith is working. Watch this now. But love always labors. While he's working on it, it is working on him. When I came back to, to check on the work, he had wood shavings all over him. He was sweating. He, he was, you could see, he, I mean, he, you could see where, where he, from time to time he's, he's working. He has to stand up straight because it's taking his toll on his back. You can't, you can't love without labor. The, your faith works on the thing. But the thing works on you. And if you love it, you'll stay with it. Watch this now. And the labor will change you. What happens to us many times is, I'm going to tell you, people say, well, you know, pastor, I love, I love the person, but I'm not going to put up with that. See, no, that's not love. Because when you really love someone, do you expect it to have an effect on you? If you love them and you've never cried, you don't love them. If you love them and you've never wondered what in the heck are you doing, are you crazy, you're going to mess yourself. If you don't have that kind of passion for them, it's not love, it's something else. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. 
Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. God, is, God loved Israel so much. He intentionally chose people based on the fact that he knew that whenever he got ready to destroy Israel, the person he chose would talk him out of it. When God was sick of him, he said, told Moses, I'm done with him, I'm done with him. And Moses said, Moses, Moses, God, no, please give him another chance. When, when, when Miriam uh, uh, sinned against Moses and God wanted, Moses said, God, heal him now. God knew he always, his great love for his people always caused him to choose people that will remind him, you love these people. Because love labors. It, it, the, the, your, you can't love anyone or anything and it not have effect on you. How many of you got this? All right. The, the reason I'm showing you is these are basic things we have to learn because I'm going to talk to you today about your situation. Right now, you're in a situation in your life that you don't understand. And so I want to show you how this works. Put on the screen for me. I'm, I'm going to be all over the place. I want you to help me. In Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. I ended Bible study on Wednesday with this scripture, and I want to pick, pick it up right here. Um, obedience, by definition, is the, the, uh, the, uh, the Greek word deals with, the Greek and Hebrew word deals with listening. It means I listen to I listen to act in what I was told. I listen to respond. It's called hearkening. That's the, that's the King James word for that, hearkening to the voice of the Lord. In other words, I hear what he's saying. I, the only reason I'm listening to what he's saying because I plan to do it. That's, that's obedience. How many of you got that? Okay. Now, under the old covenant, obedience was set up where, watch this now, God made a demand of you. God told you what he wanted. And if you delivered on what God said, then he gave you a blessing. So obedience was used under the old covenant to purchase from God the promise he wanted to give to you. In other words, if you didn't obey, you didn't get blessed. So if you were inconsistent, like you say we are, you'd never be blessed. But under the new covenant, what God did is that Jesus stepped in in our place and he obeyed all of what God demanded. Watch this now. And God, God made a demand. Jesus supplied the demand. And then he, he took this demand and he brought it to or the supply rather, and he brought it to us. And he says now, I don't need you to work for the blessing. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to place the blessing strategically in different places in your life. And I'm going to tell you where it is. And all I need you to do is go there to get it. How many of you follow that? In other words, I don't have to work to get the blessing from God. Jesus said, I got it for you. He said, I got all these blessings for you. All the promises that God made to Abraham, I got them and I got them for you, even the Gentiles. That's us. They don't even know the God of Israel. And as we said, the way obedience is going to work for you is I'm going to tell you what it is and you have to trust me to go get it. Now, here's the crazy part about it. And this is going to help you. 100% of the time, if you took the directions that God has for you and put them in a GPS 100% of the time to get to the thing that God has for you is going to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. 100% of the time it's going to lead you through hardship. 100% of the time you're going to go through something that you would have never chosen for yourself. Here's a good analogy, a good metaphor. You can't swim but the blessing is on the other side of the lake. So you get to the lake and you go, well, obviously, that can't be my blessing because I can't swim. And immediately, you try to find, a, find your own way to get to it. 
not knowing that God did that so that you would get to the blessing by depending on him. He puts you in a position, he forces us to depend on him. Because here's what he understands. He understands that if I get my hands on the blessing, before I go through the difficulty that's going to shape me and change me and mold me and grow me, if he, he understands if I, if, I, if I get my hands on it, I will consume it and destroy it, and it will not fulfill the plan he had for it and me. So he always takes you through hardship to get to the place. And so the proud become humble. The strong become broken. God, and then he, he loves to do this. He loves to take the life that you put together with all your skill and education and training and boasting and he rips it apart. He allows you to go through something that rips it apart. Watch this now. So that he can put you back together. And when you come back together, you don't care about reputation. You don't care about what they say about you. All you know for sure is, I know God. And so when Donnie McClurkin sat on the front of the platform last night, if you were there, you heard his story. I know it freaked you out. It's my third time hearing it. It's my third time hearing it. And and I'm going to tell you, the first time I met Donnie, Donnie's a strange guy. I, I remember... We, we were, we were uh, interacting, all of us on Twitter, and, and this guy reached out one time, and he was just ugly towards Donnie. He called him all kinds of names. You know, the, the ugly words you call people with same-sex attraction. He was just really, really ugly to Donnie. And normally on Twitter, what would happen is if something, someone says something good about you, you retweet it so all your people could see it. That's what you do. You hit retweet so everybody could see that this person mentioned you in a positive way. But what Donnie would do is, whenever they say ugly things about him, he would retweet that. So I was wondering, what are you doing? If you didn't retweet that, we'd have never knew what they said. Here's his mentality. His mentality is, I used to be messed up. And people knew I was messed up. He said, but God took me apart and put me back together. And now the people that want to still acknowledge that I was broken, he hit retweet for everybody to see my testimony is true. Watch this. And while they're hating on him, God is elevating him. God is elevating him. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I think we see this wrong. We spend so much of our lives running and hiding. So so we we use so much effort, Pastor James, trying to keep the dead thing alive. And God says, pull the plug on it. Take it off life support. Let it die. If it's supposed to be resurrected, I will bring it back to life. Or I'll give you something new. But stop nursing these dead things, hoping that one day your idea will become what you want it to be. It is dead. Let it go. I'm speaking to somebody. The Bible says, watch this. This is powerful. I want to show you the Pharaoh mentality. The Pharaoh mentality. When you're in a difficult situation, the first thing that happens is that you begin to think that God doesn't know where I am. Have you ever hated God? Have, have you ever thought that God was unfair? Have you ever looked at someone's uh, social media page and all the stuff that's going on with them, it makes you feel like God has just forgotten you? Let me tell you something. What God is doing is that he's chosen the course for you that's best for you. And half of the stuff you say God is doing is not God, it's the devil. Someone wrote me and said, Pastor, they killed another person. The cops killed another person. What are we going to do now? What's the answer now? And so my answer to them was, did the problem change? They said, no. I said, well, neither does the solution change. If the problem, if the problem 
is still injustice or oppression, then the solution is prayer and trusting God and looking for avenues to be, watch this, to be, to be social changers. Every movement needs movers. Every vision needs runners. You got it? And so, so we look, but watch this, but we don't force things to happen in our flesh. So what do we do? We say, well, we're praying. What do we do now? We pray. Here's the problem. We pray, but we trust God. And you have to know, watch this, you have to have a revelation of when it's time to hope or expect God to move and have faith or work. You have to know. You have to be wise about this. God has to show you. You can't just go kicking. And, no, sometimes you have to just trust God. I'm going to show you something. But when Abraham asked God a question, he said, how will I know that the things you're promising me will come to pass? God puts Abraham to sleep, and here's what he said to him. He said, no of a surety. That thy descendants will be in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. Everybody say 400 years. 400 years? 400? What you going to be doing in the meantime? I mean, you would ask God, my folk is going to be slavery for 400 years, and what are you doing? And here's what God says. The problem is, the land that I'm giving to you right now belongs to somebody else. The Amorite possessed the land. He said, and in all fairness, I can't take that land from them until the iniquity is full. So, that, so here's what he told, he told Abraham. He says, they're going to be there for 400 years for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet full. What do, you, what do you mean? God has set a bar. And he says, when iniquity gets to that point, I don't need nobody to activate nothing. I'm coming through Egypt. With 10 plagues, I'm going to shut it down. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And let me tell you how it ended. That whole thing ended with Pharaoh's, they were the superpower, they were the superpower in the earth. God did not, Pharaoh was the God. Everybody saw Pharaoh. All the nations saw him as God. You know what God did? He called himself a God. His military might showed the world that he, he could back up what he said. So you know what God did? God drowned Pharaoh and his army. In a single day. In one day, Egypt went from being a superpower to being nobody. So, um, is that, is, well, you, you, are you prophesying? I'm not prophesying. I'm saying you need to trust God. Now, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you this. This is important. The Bible says, the Bible says about this story, and Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel, verse 30. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord has spoken unto Moses, and he did the signs in the sight of the people. Next verse. And the people, watch this now, and the people believed. So he came and he spoke words to them. He said, this is what the Lord said. He spoke words and the people believed. But I love this. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon, no, do, this, do me this favor, give me New Living Translation. I want, I want him to get this. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron when they heard that God was concerned about them and he had seen their misery. No one had to tell him it's time to worship. The Bible says when they understood that they, that they weren't just going through this for nothing. And that God knew what they were going through and it meant something to him. And he was concerned. God sent people, how are you doing? How are you doing under the circumstances? Because we have to play this out to the end of it. So, so when something is done, it could be permanent. 
God wants you to know he's concerned. God wants you to know he sees what you're going through. And when they heard that, the Bible says, instinctively, without a call to worship, everyone bowed and began to worship God. It broke out. It was audible. It was audible. They began to worship because they heard what God wanted. The mentality of this people is the mentality we need to have. Whenever you hear that God knows what's happening in your life and God sees what's going on, but it's going to work out for you a greater picture, something better than what you expected. See, but I wanted him, but he didn't want you, baby. And what you have to do is you have to wait. No, no, I'm not trying to be mean. God is going to send someone that wants you. You say, but he's going to look like Magilla Gorilla. You think that's what God got? God got better than that. I was telling the story this morning. You know, y'all play with God. Y'all think God, let me tell you something. I was sitting. Everybody said a long time ago. When I used to do marriage, marriage counseling, I was sitting with a couple. They were going through premarital counseling. And the whole time I'm counseling them, I'm thinking to myself, dude made a, some kind of arrangement with the devil. How did he get her? And I was sitting there trying to figure out, this is this, what is it, a joke? I'm looking at this dude, looking at her thinking, okay, what's going on here? I might be punk with the camera. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Hart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Pastor Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.